are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I thought it was a pretty cool role in myself. What did you think? Oh. You know, I wonder today, as we enter a new year, if there's anybody saying this morning, Rick, I think God's talking to me as I start a new year. Anybody in the room like that? Maybe God is uh, calling somebody to volunteer somewhere. You feel like God is saying, I want you to serve. I want you to give back. I want you to find somewhere to give to others, you know? I wonder if there's somebody saying, I feel like God is calling me to a deeper prayer life and one-on-one -on -one time with God in the Word. I feel like God is saying to me, I miss time with you, and I want you to spend more time with me. I wonder if there's somebody saying, I feel like there's somebody that I need to forgive. It's not that I'm opposed, it's just not easy. Or it's more than just saying the words. There's a process, I'm trying to figure that out. Or maybe God's calling somebody to make things right with somebody else. There's, there's something between me and somebody and I just need to help make that right. Maybe there's somebody saying, I think there's a part of my life that God wants me to surrender. I've held on to some things. I mean, a lot of stuff I've just given to God, but there's, there's an area in my life that I just keep holding on to. And I feel like God's saying, let it go. I was on the phone with a guy this week. I don't know him very well. First thing he says to me, I guess you heard our big news. I said, no. He said, we're, we're making a transition. Yeah, he said, we feel like that we've heard from God and he's clearly made his will known to us. I said, man, I am thankful that you've heard from God. I love it when people tell me they've heard from God because I don't ever want to be at that point in my life where God doesn't speak to me any longer. Do you? I like it when God's talking to me. And so I think I'm asking you, what's God calling you to do? Where's God calling you to go? What is God calling you to walk away from? What is God calling you to repent of? Where's God calling you to serve? Who is God calling you to spend time with who doesn't know Jesus? Who is God calling you to invest in? I'm just gonna make this person a priority in my life. I'm gonna be there for them. I'm gonna spend time with them and I believe they'll see the Jesus in me. I don't know how to make it any more simple. So I'll just stay with the simple. You ready? God calls people. He speaks to us in various ways. And we find ourselves in the season of epiphany, which is all about God's manifestation, God revealing himself, God making himself known, making Jesus known. And in these few passages that we're gonna study over the next few weeks, there's another common thread that I see, and that is that not only does God make himself known, but he makes his will known. He says to people like you and me, 
this is where I want to lead you. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to give your life to. God not only makes himself known, but he makes his will known and he calls us to the life he desires us to live. So the Bible is just full, I mean full, of examples of God calling people like he called Noah to build a really big ark. It was weak, but you're right, it was an ark. He calls Abraham to be the father of the nation. He calls Moses to lead his people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping over hundreds here. I'm, I'm just, it's a very broad stroke. I mean, I'm, I'm leaving out hundreds of examples as I go. He called Samuel to a life of service. He called David to be a king. He called Isaiah to be a prophet. He called Jonah to warn a city. And again, I'm jumping over hundreds. He called Peter and Andrew and James and John to be disciples along with eight others. He calls Paul to be a missionary. God calls people. I don't want you to get hung up on the vocation thing. Well, Rick, you've got this calling on your life. I mean, you're, you, you, you've got a, a vocational calling of full-time Christian service. I believe I do too. But I believe that God calls every follower of Jesus let me be more specific. I believe God is calling every follower of Jesus. It's a continual conversation, which I think is one of the reasons that one of the best questions that we as believers can ask one another is, what do you sense God is saying to you in this season of your life? What's God saying to you? I believe God's always speaking, always calling, always talking. What do you sense God is saying to you right now? So it takes us to our passage today, the Gospel of Mark chapter one. You wanna open a phone or a Bible? Mark chapter one. Do you, do you know who wrote the Gospel of Mark? Mark. Probably better known in the book of Acts as John Mark. He was a co-worker with Paul, in planting all his churches. And he becomes a partner with Simon Peter in his preaching ministry. In fact, you're gonna to love to hear this, okay? What, what he does, what we believe he does, is he takes all of Peter's preaching and all of his sharing about his eyewitness experiences with Jesus, because Peter was right there, shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, and Mark takes all of that stuff that Simon Peter shares with him, and he forms it into the book of Mark beautifully into the gospel of Mark. That's where we get Mark, the gospel of Mark. He, he, he has all this time spent with Simon Peter and he hears about all of these eyewitness experiences with Jesus and, and he hears all of Peter's sermons and he takes all of that and he gathers it and he beautifully organizes it into the gospel of Mark. That's how we get the gospel. And here's how he starts it in chapter one, verse one. He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. Did you hear it? Okay, I'll say it again. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As written in Isaiah, the prophet. So what does Isaiah write for telling the future? I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, he not only quotes uh, Isaiah, but he also quotes the book of Exodus, and he also quotes Malachi, the prophet. Here's what I want you to understand, that the gospel is bound to the promises of God in the Old Testament. And so, for example, Isaiah uh, chapter 23 talks about there will be a messenger who will go ahead of you as you exodus from the Egyptian slavery through the wilderness and into Canaan. And, and then when you get to the book of Exodus, there's this talk about a new Exodus. And when you get to Malachi, there's this thing that this Messiah is gonna go before you. And what he is saying is, this is all happening now. There is a new Exodus. God is gonna free his people once for all through the coming of Jesus who will usher in the kingdom of God. So let's go to the next one. And so John the Baptist appeared. That's the forerunner. That's the messenger. That's the one who's gonna prepare the way. He appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, I wanna let that soak in. He came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I got this place I go to breakfast and on the senior menu, they let me order half a waffle and crispy bacon and an egg over medium well. And that's important, the medium well. And, and when it hits my table, I take the syrup and I pour it into each little cavity of the waffle. And then I eat my bacon and my egg because I want the syrup to soak into the waffle. Brunch sound good to anybody? That's what I want to let happen right here. I want you to let this soak in for a minute. He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Mark says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. That's hyperbole. It's like saying everybody was there. But, but it's also like saying thousands came. They were confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So what was John like? Well, he was a, he was a rugged man. He, he wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. He simply lived on the natural resources of the land. He was a Elijah-type prophet. When you went to see John the Baptist, he wasn't mainstream by any means. And this was his message. Lean in. Don't you want to hear his message? Here we go. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And he was baptized by John in that Jordan and just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being open, torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. It was a, a thin place. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. And the people said, thanks be to God. 
I've been having this conversation lately. It just seems like it's appropriate from time to time. And I've had it with a few groups of people. And it's that there is this lie that is often believed in our society that says freedom is when you do what you want to do, where you want to do it, with who you want to do it. That's, that's freedom. So if you really want to be free, you just, freedom is all about just, I, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want. It just, I, I, I just do what I want to do. That's, that's what it means to experience freedom. That's free. But the scripture tells us it's a lie. I remember the first real drug addict I ever had a conversation with. I was younger, much younger. I was a youth pastor in Kansas City. And he says to me, he says, I don't do anything I want to do. I do whatever drugs and my addiction tells me I'm going to do. I find myself standing in the most dangerous part of Kansas City at three in the morning not because I want to be there, but because my addiction tells me I have to be there and I'm buying drugs. I want to spend time with my kids, but I don't get to spend time with my kids because my addiction tells me you don't get to do that. And so what, what, what seemed like I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to do drugs. That's, that's free. It actually became bondage. And he saw himself as a slave. It's like a person who is immoral in a marital relationship and it results in a divorce and now I'm no longer able to live in my own home and I'm no longer able to have my kids with me all the time because when I did what I wanted to do with who I wanted to do it, it resulted in bondage. It's a lie. That's not freedom. And what the scriptures teach me is that Real freedom comes when I submit. Get that? I know it sounds wild, doesn't it? It's like a paradox. When I submit to the will of God, that's the freest I'll ever be. So God never said, no, we're going to avoid these things because I do not want you to have fun. I do not want you to have pleasure. I do not want you to enjoy yourself. I don't want your life to be good. So I'm going to say, no, you can't do that stuff. No, the only reason God ever says let's avoid these things is because they bound you, and I want you to be free. And the way to freedom is not doing what I want and what I want. The way to freedom is submitting to the will of God. And that's where John the baptizer takes the people of Israel. So you might say, okay, who's John? Well, John is this forerunner, this messenger who is going to prepare the way for Jesus' coming, for the Messiah's coming. So N.T. Wright, in his epistle, and rather in his commentary on, on the gospel of, of Mark, says that there's a joke in England. And the joke is that wherever, wherever the queen goes, she smells fresh paint. I know, that's got you holding your side. Great joke, N.T. Wright, thanks. They laughed a little in first service. And then T. Wright goes on to say, and that's what John is doing. Preparing people for the coming of royalty. Getting everything, everybody ready. 
Because God is going to come and dwell in their midst. So they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting for the Messiah. In fact, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying for the Messiah to come. But what they were not expecting was a prophet who was going to come to them and say, okay, you need to repent in order to prepare for his coming. Or were they thinking that? So let me ask you, you with me right now? You looking at me? If you knew, and you don't, but if you knew, you can't, there's no way. But if you knew, it's not possible. But if somehow you knew that Jesus' second coming was this week, we talked a lot during Advent about the fact that Jesus will come again. He ascended into the heavens, but he's coming back just like you saw him go. And, and there's going to be judgment and everything else. And if somehow you can't, I know, you don't, I know. But let's just assume, just humor me. Somehow you know that he's coming this coming week. Do you think there's anybody in the room who might do a little bit of repenting? Got two honest boys right here. Thank you for raising your hand. Well, I mean, you know, Rick, why wouldn't you? I mean, just make sure, right? Just shore things up. I mean, you don't want to be stupid. I mean, if you know for sure, I mean, why wouldn't you just say, hey, let's just go over this, Jesus, real quick and make sure I'm okay with you. So why don't we talk about repentance and let's talk about what you repent of. And let's talk about what all of that looks like because John came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So, Joe, you mind joining me for a minute real quick? <clears throat> so, um, I, I, I thought maybe if I could give you a kind of a picture, it might be helpful. And so if you want to step it up, we would all appreciate it, Joe. So if you'll stand right here for me, that'd be great. So um, I'm a little older than you, aren't I? A little, little bit. So, but anyway, still yet, you're a great guy. Very caring. Well, you represent God and I'll represent me, okay? Okay, so I know that's a tough calling. So when we think about repentance, what do you repent of? You can only repent of one thing. What is that? Sin. Okay. So, so when we think about defining sin, sin would be, according to Scripture, and, and, and John Wesley did a great job helping us form language to understand sin. He would say it would be an intentional or a willing transgression against what I know to be God's will, okay? So sin is a willing, intentional transgression against what I know to be the will of God, all right? So here's the deal. You can never sin without turning your back on God. If you willingly sin, there's something you have to do. Turn your back on God. You're not going that direction. You're going this direction. And so if Joe represents God, and I've made a decision today that I'm I know this is not God's will. I know that God is saying, no, Rick, this is not what I want for you. And I'm going to say, you know what? I hear you, but I'm doing it anyway. In order to do that, I have to just, I'm turning my back. I'm not going that direction. I'm going this direction. 
I know you're there, but I'm not, I'm going here. So repentance is when I stop and I turn and I go the other direction. Think about it with me. Today, are you turned toward God? Is your, is your life, your heart, your soul, everything about you turned toward God? I, I guess I wonder if anybody's saying, could I kind of like be at this angle? Just I'm not completely turned away, but I'm. So that's what repentance looks like. I have a friend who's um, studying Hebrew and he emails me on occasion. And he said to me the other day, he says, the letters in the Hebrew word repent mean burn your house down. So it's saying that I've turned and I've burned it down. There's nothing to go back to. I'm going here. I'm done. There's nothing there to go back to. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. So I'm a little interested. And the reason I'm interested is because this baptism was not really for Jews. It was for Gentiles who were converting to Judaism. So if you want to convert to Judaism as a Gentile, you need to immerse yourself. You need to baptize in order to cleanse from all of your impurity. But that's not who John's calling. He's calling Jews. And he's saying to them, you've got to prepare for the coming of the Messiah because God is going to come and dwell among you and a holy God can only dwell among a holy people. I know I've said it lots of ways, but let me just put it here for you, okay? God calls us first to repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So earlier in the conversation when I was saying, is God calling you to do this? Is God calling you to do this? You may have been saying, I don't know what God's calling me to do. I'm trying to figure it out. If God is calling you to repentance, do that first. If there's something you need to repent of, do that first. And this wasn't just an individual confession. This was a communal confession. This this was about the people of God coming and saying, God, forgive us. And I think there's a place for communal confession in our world today as believers, as followers of Jesus. So let's talk about how we move forward with this. Um, my, my wife, Annette, and I, we were out of town uh, for, uh, during her birthday week. We were staying at a hotel, and, and I went and found a flower shop uh, so that I could get her some flowers and put them in the hotel room and they would be there, you know, for her birthday week. I was kind of expecting a little bit of a, aw. Yeah. So I'll start over. So Annette and I were out of town <laughs> and I went to a flower shop and I got some flowers to bring to the hotel room so they could be there for her, uh, her birthday week. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> So I get to the counter with the flowers and, and I set the vase of flowers on the counter and the lady who is going to take my money looks at me and says, what'd you do this time? <laughs> and, and not that it was true, but to be funny, I said, yeah, I'm in the doghouse. 
And an older guy standing there beside us said, it's going to take more than that to get you out of that doghouse. Now, the truth is, I wasn't in the doghouse, but the truth is, I've been in the doghouse many times. And there's been many times in my relationship with Annette where I've had to say to her, hey, I'm, I'm going the wrong direction with you. And, and I got to turn it around. And, and I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry for what I've done. And that's where John, the baptizer, says, that's where we ought to be. His shoes, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. You understand, this was the role of a slave, not a disciple. And John says, no, 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 I'm not... I w- I'm not even worthy to do the job. I, I'm not worthy to get on my knees and untie his dirty sandals. He is so great. And then he goes on to say, I baptize with water. That's all I got, man. I got water, but he, he's not like me. He, way ba- he can baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's gonna change your life. You know what John's saying? The gifts of salvation and the gift of the Spirit are not mine to give. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can forgive you of your sin. Only Jesus can fill you with his spirit. And and then it just kind of gets a little bit confusing to most of us. Then Jesus shows up and he says, John, baptize me. And and we're kind of going, what? You know, it's just, it's kind of, there's a lot of unanswered questions. It's a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, but Jesus had no sin, but he wants John to baptize him. And we're like, why would you get baptized? Because you don't have anything to repent of. You don't need any forgiveness. But Matthew really gets serious about it in his gospel. And John says, whoa, no, no, not going to do that. I'm baptizing you. You should baptize me. And Jesus says, no, John, you should do it. And let us fulfill all righteousness in this moment. It's proper. It's fitting to do so. Jesus is the fulfillment of all righteousness. We don't really understand all of that like we wish we did. And we certainly don't understand why Jesus saw the heavens torn open. Something broke loose. You know what broke loose? All heaven broke loose. I got you, didn't I? But he's the only one that saw it as far as we can understand in the scripture. And then the voice from heaven, this is my son. We assume he's the only one that heard it. We don't understand why. There's so much we don't get, but there's one thing that we do get, and there's one question that Mark does answer, and this is the question that he answers, who is Jesus? And Mark says he is God's son. And in the story of the baptism, he says he is the Messiah. And what he's really saying is he is the only one who can forgive you of your sin He is the only one who can give you the spirit. So, repent for the forgiveness of sins and receive the salvation and the gift of the spirit. There's only one who can do that for you and me and us. So we enter into this very special moment. Would you retrieve the 
elements that you received when you walked through the door this morning. We practice open communion, meaning you don't have to be a member or even a regular attender of our church to receive communion. Here's what I would say to you. Only if you're sincerely seeking Jesus would you do this. It's not something for the faint of heart. And so what we believe in this moment is that we receive grace. We believe in this moment we can receive forgiveness. And so I got to think that maybe this is a great opportunity for many to confess sin and to ask for forgiveness. And then in a moment when you eat the bread and when you drink the cup, you take into your life the forgiveness that he's offering you. And so if you'll open the bread first, when Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. All of you, eat it. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the ransom of many, the forgiveness of sins. In a sense, he was saying, drink and be forgiven. So let's everyone drink. Thank you, Father, for the provision of forgiveness that you have offered to us through your son, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you thanks. And give us the grace not to turn our backs on you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Oh
The veil is torn, the doors fling wide. See glory as I run inside the throne room before you. I bow, I bow. The veil is torn, the doors fling wide. See glory as I run inside the throne room before you. to be together today to hear about God's calling on each one of our lives. I pray that as you exit this room and you go out into the world that you listen to that still small voice of God as he speaks to you this week. Go in the name of Jesus. You are dismissed. been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.